The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. everybody what's up uh welcome to brother from another and look around i've made a new purchase life has been good to me and so i have bought a part of nbc jason johnson i bought a part of nbc (laughs) and peacock i'm going to take care of you and generations of johnson's don't worry about it it'll be good it'll be good (laughs) good to see you man thank you so much i thought i thought it was only bill I thought it was only Bill Cosby that was going to buy part of NBC. Now oh, it's you. The conspiracy ooh, is complete. Oh, this makes that, sense. We don't, we don't say that name anymore. We don't say that name anymore in public. <laughs> we whisper that name. You said that name with a little bit of bass in your voice. You can't say whisper. that. But listen, those of you at All Seriousness here at the Mothership, happy to be here. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the Brother from Another Experience. It's not a show. It's a lifestyle. Uh, for watching on Peacock TV, thank you. Listening on Sirius XM Channel 85, and wherever you listen to podcasts, welcome to the show. Jason Johnson is here. He's a friend of the show, so he really needs no introduction. And I'm going to tee you up today, Jason, and let you get all of your takes off. You got takes, and, and I'm going to let you get all your takes off, and you're still not going to have enough time because you got like an endless, <laughs> you got like an endless treasure trove of takes. So why let's not start? Why, why don't we start with the Lakers? Start with the Lakers. Uh, they lost the Battle of Los Angeles in quotes. They lost the Battle of Los Angeles last night to the Clippers, who suddenly look like the Lakers used to look in the good old days. Clippers bring Kawhi off the bench. They still beat the Lakers, who didn't have Russell Westbrook on the bench long enough. Lakers are zero two. What say you, Jason Johnson, about this team? Will it get better anytime soon? Well, look, I couldn't tell when I looked at the stat line as I was looking at the old Detroit Lions under Pat Statford or if I was looking at the shooting line for Russell Westbrook because they were both 0 for 16, right? I, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. That's how bad. That is how bad the Lakers are (laughs) that you have all this money wrapped up and Russell Westbrook for him to go 0 for 16. Holly, I think you and I standing on each other's shoulders in a trench coat could do better than 0 for 16 in a professional basketball game, even going up against Kawhi Leonard. This is a terrible roster. This is a roster that cannot beat anybody. This is a roster that probably won't make the playoffs. This is a roster you could you could put together 12 kids from a rec league, a couple of senior citizens and a Darvin Ham sandwich could probably play Ooh. better than this Ooh. currently constructed roster. Oh, and like I'm that. just saying, I'm just saying that down the road there will have to be some decisions made. You can't really trade street clothes Anthony Davis. You can't really trade Russell Westbrook. At this particular point, LeBron James cannot be the best player on a championship-level team. And so what I'm hoping that they recognize is we either have to play these young players or we got to give up the season. You know what? I'm not sure LeBron... I'm sorry? I'm not sure LeBron is the best player on this Lakers team. And that's no slight uh, at LeBron, who's still getting it done. Uh, at the age of 38, I think he's 38 this year, going to be 39 in December. Anthony Davis, I know you call him street clothes, Anthony Davis. I like the line. It makes me laugh. I've had my share of Anthony Davis fun, but I can't make fun of Anthony Davis this year, this year in these two games. He has not been the problem. He actually looks really good. He looks like bubble Anthony Davis. I would say 
He's a better player right now than LeBron James. So the, the question the question is, can you rely on Anthony Davis to be there for forget about 82 forget about 72. Can you rely on him for 65 games and know that he's going to be there in the playoffs? Yeah, yeah. And know that he's going to be there in the playoffs. I don't know if AD stands for A, like Anthony Davis, or after the latest injury, or Anno Domini, or before. I don't know. I don't know what the name stands for because it doesn't stand for a guy who can stand on the court on a regular basis. You can't trust AD to give you 62 games. You can't trust AD to give you 30 points a game. You can't trust AD to be a defensive presence in the lane, which is what the Lakers really need, especially as they are a team that doesn't have good and consistent outside shooting. I still say LeBron is the best player on this Lakers squad because he's more reliable. And I've said this, I've said this, Holly, a long time. When it comes to basketball, there's always a problem when your best player isn't your toughest player. Avery Johnson was the toughest player on the old Spurs, but the best player was David Robinson. He couldn't get it done. You know, Chris Webber was the best player on the old school Sacramento Kings, but it was Mike Bibby who was the toughest player. LeBron is now the toughest player and the best player. I don't think it can ride Anthony Davis to even an AC, given how tough the Western Conference is going to be this year. You know what? Uh, you, 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 you may think this is just an awful statement. You know who I think the toughest <laughs> player is? The toughest player is on the Lakers? He's stubborn. I, I, I'm curious. I'm, it, uh, okay. Please don't tell I, me it's Russell Westbrook. I'm telling you, listen, he's stubborn. He's thick-headed. He should never take as many threes as he takes. He shouldn't take threes. He should be like Ben Simmons. He should go on the Ben Simmons diet, <laughs> the Ben Simmons three diet, where I'm just not gonna, <laughs> I'm just not gonna shoot threes. And I just not, that's not what I'm gonna do. But do you ever have you found yourself seriously? Have you have you found, ever found yourself questioning the toughness of Russell Westbrook? I'm not. I've questioned the judgment of him. I've questioned his shot selection. I've questioned his coaches for putting him in positions to kind of derail runs and derail t- uh, teams at some at, to some point. He's tough. He's energetic. Doesn't always play smart, but he plays hard, right? He's a little crazy. I, I, but see, hey, here's the hey, thing: if you if you're going somewhere, if, if, if you, you if you were if you were in a dark alley, and you need somebody to have your back. You want Russell Westbrook with you. Russ got a little crazy in him too. Holly, if I'm in a dark alley and I want somebody to have my back, I want Pat Bev. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Pat Bev. Pat Bev is probably the reason we got followed into the alley. Because he said something at the bar. That's the problem. Exactly. Exactly right. And that's why I don't want him. (laughs) I don't want him because he talks too much and I don't think he can back it up. And at times I can see Pat Bev. It's like, uh, uh, yeah, uh, why are we doing this? I was just playing. No, 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 it's, it's too late for that. Now, they, now they're trying to kick our ass, okay? You got us in trouble, and now you're trying to talk your way out of it. But Russell West, I see Russell Westbrook wouldn't be like that. Westbrook is, is going to go all the way through, but you don't believe it. You believe LeBron is their toughest player, and he's too old to be their best player and their toughest player, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean look, LeBron has moved on to the – uh, you know, Space Jam 5, House Party 2, Survivor's Remorse Reunion Tour, part of his career. Uh, he's still more reliable than right. anybody else on the squad. And again, I do think they could be a playoff-level team, yeah. but not as they are currently constructed. And I think even just a bunch of – if they could just get some young outside shooters, LeBron and AD, I think you could get to a six or seven seed, but not when you're trying to funnel the ball to Westbrook, who is clearly unhappy being there. And if you have yeah. a player who's unhappy being there, you need to move them from that squad. Okay, well, yeah, good luck. Good luck. I, they, they agree with you. The problem, is, the problem is, Doc, like nobody wants to take them. But I, I know – uh, the Lakers, what they have to look forward to this season is possibly making the playoffs as an eight seed or getting in or, or, or as a six seed. Right. That, that, that would be that'd be progress because that would mean they would avoid the play in round or to get to the play in round. Right. And, and and actually emerge as a playoff team, which they did a couple of years ago before lo- losing to Phoenix. And the other thing they have to look forward to is LeBron breaking Kareem's record, the scoring record. But you can already you shouldn't be right. saying this in October in Los Angeles with one of the great franchises in league history, but we are we, we, where we are. I'm wondering, you spent a lot of time in L.A. You know L.A. very well. 
Do you have some kind of psychological block with the Clippers, as some people do? <laughs> or have you moved on from that and said, look, that was the old, that was the old Clippers. Donald Sterling's not around anymore. Now these are the new Clippers who have a, a history of, of, of more winning. They've been to the Western Conference Finals at least. Uh, or, or are you still thinking, ah, the Clippers, I'm not buying. How you see it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Clippers are for the barbershop because this team also never gets discussed there, right? Like there's no there's no way in which anyone thinks the Clippers are worth talking about. There's no way that anybody thinks the Clippers are going to go anywhere. There's nobody. And, and here's why. It's the same reason that I can't believe in the New Jersey Nets. It's the same reason that there have been other squads in the past why I didn't necessarily Jersey. believe too you're much like, in Houston. Are you doing that on purpose? <laughs> are you, you being disrespectful? You calling them the I, New I am, Jersey I am, Nets? I am, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just being disrespectful um, because because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you got to have some leadership on your squad, right? And what you have with Brooklyn last Jersey, what you have with the Nets is a situation where you've got, you know, Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving and Katie. None of those guys are real leaders. It doesn't mean they can't ball. It means they're not leaders of a squad. They're not people that you're going to really go to war with. You have the same problem on the Clippers. Their leader is Tyron Lue. They don't really have a leader on the court. Paul George has spent the last 10 years of his career being told that he's not LeBron, that he's not KD, and he's lived up to that reputation. He's probably the best number two slash three in the league and has been for years, but he can't take your team to the next level. And you never know what you're going to get out of Kawhi Leonard. Now, to his credit, when Kawhi is healthy, okay. he will ball out, he will play. Right. But can you trust him to stay healthy and take your team to the promised land? I don't think so. Yeah, you probably can't. Uh, I, I, I got to get this before because I don't think we'll talk about this with Mike Jones, but I want to get your take your yeah. take. We got Mike Jones coming up in about 10 minutes. Uh, one of the best football writers in the country from the athletic, but you have something in your feed. It got my attention. It really got my attention. First of all, uh, Gary, if we have the if we have the Kyler Murray Cliff Kingsbury, you know, the <laughs> the, the disagreement and sound. So let's get to that first. And then I want to come back and, and uh, address something that you you wrote about in your feed. Here it is. Uh, he's real animated on the sideline sometimes, so um, it's always you know it's never it's never you know calm down. We're good. You know we're gonna make it right. Um, we did a scoring, so that was good. But uh, yeah, that's all I'm saying. Chill out. You were telling me to calm down a little. Yeah. Did you just time out? No, the clock was running down, um, and we, we couldn't have got off the play that we were trying to run, so it was, I guess it was my fault. I'll take it. Is that Kevin is in your ear? No, he's not screaming in my ear. No. Just no. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah I, I just see the antics. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he's a pretty calm guy. Is that surprising? I mean, I'm outside of the game. Yeah, no, he's, yeah, he's choosing chill, you know, until Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> How do you guys work that kind of thing out? Uh, it doesn't, doesn't phase me, or uh, I don't think it phases him. I think we just, like I said, we're just trying to win. Um, in the moment type of thing, after that, we're good. It's just one of those things on the field. Um, we have a difference of opinion. Yeah, he, he said I didn't look good on TV. Um, acting that fiery. So I said, I don't know. This is a Gen Z thing. You're on TV, so calm down. Like, all right. All right, Doc. All right. So you first of all, before we get to your your item there, where you say Kyler Cliff divorce, I want to ask you about that. But before we get there, I want to say like, see, this is a problem. Some people when they tell stories, they're not really trustworthy. So Kyler Murray's right. version of how that went and our eyes and what we saw it doesn't really match up. It's like he's so, he's so casual about it. Oh, I was just saying, calm down, and it was it was cool, and, and it's this uncomfortable laughter uh, that he it's this smile that he has, and an uncomfortable laughter among the media, which is a, a topic for another day. Tell your journalism classes, hey, you're right. not there. You're not there to make the subject feel comfortable. Ask him what happened. Why why are you guys so nervous and having this 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 silly laughter that's totally out of place? For what actually happened, but right. I, digre I digress. What hit th the recap doesn't match what we saw. What did you see? 
no. No, no, that was about as reliable as a police report, right? Like after it's like, no, we went into the school. It's like, no, you, no, no, you, you can't trust police reports and you can't trust what you really can't trust what anybody's going to say at the podium after the game, right? Because it, at that point, they've already gotten phone calls. They've gotten a call in their cell. They're trying to figure out what it is that they want to say before they get out to the podium. Here's where this is for me. I believe in Kyler Murray. I don't think he's the second coming of Russell Wilson, but I think that Kyler Murray is a good franchise quarterback. He will give them seven years, and I believe with the right system and the right kind of coaching, Kyler Murray could be a Super Bowl appearing, maybe not winning, but appearing quarterback. Cliff Kingsbury, I have absolutely no faith in. Cliff Kingsbury didn't have a winning record when he was in college. Cliff Kingsbury couldn't win when he had Patrick Mahomes. Cliff Kingsbury has consistently fallen off in the second half of the year every single year that he has been the coach of the Arizona Cardinals. And it looks like we're heading towards that swoon. They won that game last night because Andy Dalton basically forwarded them 14 free points with pick sixes, right? That was not a coaching job on Thursday. And, and, And Holly, I... Yeah, right, right. It's just, just, just toss them away. And here's the thing: if you've ever been around, I've been around like a, a couple that that you don't want to think about. They're heading towards divorce, but they arguing and they're arguing and they're arguing, and you're you're with your date, and you're kind of uncomfortable. Like, does this look as bad as I think it is? And then you get that phone call later. Hey, didn't want to make you guys uncomfortable at dinner. It was just a we were just kind of arguing about about who was going to clean the house on Thursday. Y'all know it's over. You, you know it's over. You laugh and giggle with them right. on the phone like the press did. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, no, that was fine. You didn't make Applebee's uncomfortable, but you know where this is headed. <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury right. is soon out of a job. And you notice that when Kyler was cussing at him, that Cliff Kingsbury didn't push back. He looked afraid because he knows that they just invested $50 million a year in this kid, and they're not as invested in him. Yeah, it's uh, and he didn't just say calm down. You read his lips here. He said, calm the F down, right? right? He said it, he said it a couple of times, yes. a couple of times. And I got to tell you, I, I don't know if they're headed for a divorce or if Cliff Kingsbury is the guy who's going to leave. Look, you, you can't just say, hey, Kyler's going to go somewhere else and Kingsbury's going to stay. No, that's not happening. If Kyler, right. if Kyler goes somewhere that's else, not. there'll be another coach there in Arizona. It's not, it's not Kingsbury or Kyler. As a matter of fact, Kyler could be there, right. and they won't let him go, and Kingsbury could be out. You know, Mike Florio brought up a point uh, uh, a couple of days ago. I thought it was really interesting. I said, ooh, now is he getting this from somebody, or is he throwing this out there? And he mentioned that the general manager, Steve Kime in Arizona, and Kingsbury both signed new deals in the offseason, but we didn't hear a peep about those deals. Like no compensation leaked out. Right. There were really no details. So uh, Florio's point is, hey, how guaranteed are those deals? Like, and and right. what, it, it, are the eyes dotted? Are the T's crossed? Because there was some, there was a lot of chatter in the off season, and maybe ownership said, okay, we'll just say we got a deal done, so we can stop this chatter. So we don't even know the status of the new contracts that both of these guys signed. So, hey, is there an out clause for Arizona? Is everything uh, buttoned up on that? Interesting. It's not buttoned up, and I bet you they signed those contracts in lemon juice so that you put flames to them and burn the whole thing, and it says, you fired, right? (laughs) Like, this is one of those mystery messages that you used to make when you were a kid because I don't trust any contract that has been written for a non-winning coach and, and general manager. Like, I don't think Cliff Kingsbury's job is safe. I don't think it should be safe. You've got plenty of other quality coaches out there. You still have the enemy. You still have Brian Flores. There are other people out there because what I see the biggest problem with the Arizona Cardinals is, especially in a division that should be winnable right now. My Seahawks are not going to win with Geno. We don't know what the heck's happening with with the new McCaffrey added. I'm sorry. I said, they're doing all right with Geno. Geno looks, hey, hey, hey. Geno looks good. Gino, Gino looks good. You know who else looked good at one point? Kevin Cobb. 
okay? You know what else <laughs> looked good at certain points? Alex Smith. You can look good in a system that you have been in for a long time, but ain't nobody about to drive up the Brinks truck for a 33-year-old quarterback who has been a backup for several years, who has two of the best wide receivers to throw to in the league. I just don't really believe in him. And I also don't think that the Seahawks can be much of a challenge to anybody in the NFC, let alone the NFC West, until they figure out to not have a defense that yeah. looks like a Colander, just as everything is leaking through. But as far as the, the Cardinals, the Cardinals are in the perfect position. They have the best young quarterback in the NFC West. They could dominate this division for years if they get the right coaching combination. And you, I can't imagine a situation where ownership right now is looking at these conflicts and saying, look, Kyler Murray doesn't respect his coach. And if he doesn't respect his coach, he won't follow this coach. If he won't follow this coach, we can't win. There's no reason this team shouldn't be running away with this division given the talent that they have. Just D-Hop and Kyler alone, but it's not going to happen if they don't improve the coaching situation. All right, well, we'll, we'll uh, hear more on that because, Jason, we're going to talk with Mike Jones in a little bit. Mike Jones of The Athletic. We'll talk about Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury and a, a really outrageous take. You haven't even presented this take yet. I know it's outrageous. I looked at your feed. I can't believe you believe that. So we, uh, it's, it's an NFL-related topic. We just got to call you out on it. <laughs> Come on. Come on, Doc. I, you know I believe it. You know I believe it. You know I believe it. I don't know why. I Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. We need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. All right, here it is. Uh, it's been rumored for a while. It finally happened to Carolina Panthers. Originally, they, I, I guess they were looking for two first-round picks for Christian McCaffrey. They didn't get that, but they did get multiple draft picks from a team that really wanted McCaffrey, and that team is the San Francisco 49ers. A ton of picks going from San Francisco to Carolina. So, Mike Jones, the 49ers actually pulled an L.A. Rams. They said, F those picks, traded them to Carolina, got back, <laughs> I think, I think a terrific player and McCaffrey, who's going to push them over the top. But one person here, doesn't think so. Uh, and it is not you is Jason Johnson. What do you think about this uh, McCaffrey deal? I think it's good uh, who, who's got if, two thumbs and thinks that this isn't going to help. If if he can stay healthy, then it's great um, because you have him. You've got Debo. Imagine the things that Kyle Shanahan can do with two of those and George Kittle. Um, and, you know, they've got some young wide receivers as well that they can throw into the mix. They've lacked stability at the running back position despite investing a lot. There have been a lot of injuries. Now, Christian McCaffrey has not been able to stay on the field. He has not had a full healthy season, I think, in three years. But maybe now that he doesn't have to assume quite as heavy a load, this will be better for him. Uh, but so I am, if I'm the 49ers, I'm glad that I didn't have to give up two firsts or two seconds. Um, yes, they have to give up picks, but those picks, a lot of them were because they got compensatory picks because. They lost um, uh, Robert Sala uh, and they lost Martin Mayhew. So and by, Mike McDaniel you know, and Mike and McDaniel. Mike McDaniel. So so that helped them be able to go after this because in the thing you mentioned the Rams. Not only did they get a dynamic player, they also blocked the Rams from getting um, that player. So this is a win on multiple fronts. For so Doc, jo Doc Johnson, tell me why you don't like it. I, I got to hear this. Well, first off, Christian McCaffrey. You know, we already talked about street clothes, Anthony Davis. McCaffrey has not been able to stay healthy for years and years and years. And this is the other thing about a, a running back at this point in his career who can't stay healthy. If you guys pay attention, just, just physically, where does Christian McCaffrey get hurt? He keeps getting hurt on the left side of his body. Shoulder, knee, thigh, blah, blah, all left side. That is a consistent series of injuries. If he was getting hurt in different places every time, that could just be the unlucky health 
unlucky health of the uh, luck of the draw when it comes to the NFL. But he has a consistent physical issue on seemingly one side of his body. That ain't going to change. I don't care where you put him in your lineup. He's not going to suddenly turn into a guy that can give you now 17 games plus two playoff games. That's not going to happen. And the other problem with Christian McCaffrey is unlike uh, Jonathan Taylor, uh, unlike uh, Derrick Henry that you got down in Tennessee, when Christian McCaffrey gets hurt, he's done for the rest of the year. Derrick Henry will get hurt, miss three or four games in the middle of the season, come back. But McCaffrey is done for good. I don't think this makes them a contender. If anything, I think this takes away from Brandon Ayuk. This takes away from George Kittle getting back into playing shape, and it's not going to make the 49ers a Super Bowl contender any more so than they were beforehand. That's interesting. I mean, I, mean, I, I think you made good points, but I still think that the lighter workload will help him. Um, and, and, you know, also... When you're on a team that's got nothing to play for, those aches last just a little bit longer. Those nicks don't heal quite as quickly. <laughs> when you got a team that's, that's right. in the thick of things, then you're like, hey, hate me up, Doc. Get me back out there. Yeah, I, I, I think the uh, I think the point of, of having more around him is a great one. You know, it's not like you know, Carolina really did run him into the ground, especially his first year there. And right. they got Cam Newton, so they did it to both both guys, ironically. Did it to Cam as a runner. Hey, keep running. Keep putting your body at risk. And then with McCaffrey as a receiver and as a running back, it's almost as if they, they pretended like they didn't have other other uh, players right. to kind of take some of the load off. Right. I, I look at what, what uh, Shanahan can potentially do with McCaffrey. You don't have to do that. You got Debo. As a matter of fact, this is probably Debo's probably happy now. He'd be like, hey, it's a, a fewer carries for me as a running back because we actually have a running back. Another running back that we can use. I don't have to go between the tackles all the time. I, I think this is a uh, I think it's a really, really good move for, for San Francisco. But I want to ask you about this, Mike, and I want to ask you too, Doc. Uh, there's another side of this trade that I don't think is getting enough attention. So Carolina has already traded Robbie Anderson, right? Robbie Anderson to Arizona. They've traded Christian McCaffrey. Who knows? They might trade DJ Moore. I don't know if they'll do that. But they've got an interim coach who's being evaluated right. while right. the good players are being traded away. So what are you evaluating? I, I just say if I'm, if I'm Steve Wilkes, I say, look, okay, I understand. We got to do what's best for the organization. But you can't tell me I'm not doing a good job or you can't judge me on right. just purely wins and losses when you're taking away my best players. And then you're going to talk about bringing in somebody, a, big, a bigger name coach, who you will then give uh, uh, big time players. So yeah. I think when we talk about you know, interim coaches, this is another layer that, that doesn't get discussed enough. This is a really tough position for Steve Wilkes or any interim coach to be in where you're clearly just selling off your, your uh, selling off your parts and thinking for the future. No, you're exactly right. And I was texting with some people around the league about this very thing. And what I heard from a number of guys is it always happens to us. You know, uh, you know, they, they get the black assistant. Oh, here's your opportunity to show you can be a head coach. Yeah. You know, we'll give you a chance if you do well and he's not really set up to succeed. And then you wonder why he doesn't get the opportunity. And then it's a stain on his resume that he had this losing record when really he basically had everything stripped away from him and he had no chance to really succeed. So it's not fair for Steve Wilkes, but a lot of people felt like, hey, even before they started doing this trade, they felt like he was not put in a good situation because their quarterback situation was a mess. Their defense wasn't playing up to standards. Their offense outside of Christian McCaffrey, there really wasn't anything consistent. And now that you don't have him and you could be selling off some more, even though they said last week, this isn't a fire sale. Well, it sure looks like yeah. one, you know, Steve Wilkes now basically right. is going to be running out the course of this interim and then he'll be a defensive coordinator somewhere else next year. Look, if it ain't a fire sale, I don't know why everybody seems to be getting third-degree burns, right? That, that's pretty much what's happened, and Wilkes is going to get burned the worst. He's going to get burned the worst because this is what we always see happen. But here's the thing, guys. Like, that, that, that was predictable. I mean, that was predictable. I mean, through, throughout the history of this league, if not this country, very seldom 
our African-Americans put in a position where we get the best in order to succeed. We usually have to make the best out of bad situations. When did the Texans bring in Lovey Smith? Right. I mean, I mean, you know, they, they got rid of Tony Dungy when he was about to win and gave it to John Gruden. It is usually a situation. Barack Obama didn't get elected until we were in the worst recession in a generation. Right. You don't usually have instances where the keys to the brand new Maserati with only 10 miles on it is given to a black man or a black woman. So I am not surprised whether or not he can turn anything that's going on right now in this absolute dumpster fire in Carolina. It is probably impossible. But at this particular point, he had to know that was the case. You take the opportunity that you can. You try and make the best of it, because as a whole, the system of hiring and firing coaches. What were we just talking about? Cliff Kingsbury. This is a guy who's never won anything under any circumstances. He'll get dozens of opportunities. It's never been fair in the NFL. It's never going to be. No, you're exactly right. And another guy that I talked to in a front office or an opposing team about his chances, even before the trade said, I just hope he negotiated a raise for the rest of this season because that's basically the only thing he's going to get out of this. Yeah, and it's and it's one of those things. You said he'll go back to being a defensive coordinator, Mike. Uh, so w- what he has on his resume now is a one-and-done in Carolina, excuse me, a one and done in Arizona. So three and 13, one and done. He had Josh Rosen. The next guy got Kyler Murray. I mean, okay. Uh, and that's Kingsbury. So one and done in Arizona. And now you come in as an interim. The head coach, Matt Rule, goes into the season knowing we got to get off to a fast start. It doesn't happen. Baker Mayfield out. Sam Darnold, not available. So, I mean, you got so many things. And then you trade two of your top players on offense. Yeah, the second week, you get the job. And so, he'll never, it's it's unfortunate. He will never get a a fair shake. No one will will really do the work and and put context to Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes will just be a guy with a a record that is going to be abysmal. Because I don't see how many... Even though they play in a bad division, I don't see a lot of victories there. I don't see a lot of victories come for him. It's just it's no. too bad. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, let, let's switch gears and, and talk about uh, another rough situation, but this is a rough one on the field, and it is roughing the passer. Mike, you wrote about it, and I just wonder if the NFL, A, sees it as a real problem because they keep telling you, hey, well, roughing the passer is down this year, and, <laughs> and if they do see it as a real problem, are there any real solutions to fixing this thing? No, the NFL doesn't see this as a problem because the NFL doesn't even try to hide it now. They stood up there, Troy Vincent and, and Rich McKay, and they said, look, the NFL pro football is at its best when you have healthy quarterbacks. We are not going to back off of protecting the quarterback. So they don't care that the fans think that the rules are soft. They don't care that the players think that the cards are stacked against the defensive guys. They say, hey, you're just going to have to adjust. You're going to have to live with this because we will not see quarterbacks destroyed and lost for the season and bring down the quality of play because that hurts our product. And putting a good product is what we are about. And they say, no, the game's not softer. It's faster. It's different. It's not softer, it's just different, and it's safer, and it's better. And they said, hey, of the 100 most-watched TV shows last year, 91 of them were pro football games. And so we got to keep protecting the quarterbacks, keep putting up all those points that the fans like to see. And so, hey, hands off the quarterback. I got solutions. I got solutions, y'all. You want to you hear, hear a couple, a couple of options? I, I got some proposals here. Uh, this is... This is not going to yes, be like yes, and I want to respond to those. I got I got to hear what they are. Yes. All right. All right. Now this is not like Mike Smith's uh, overtime proposal, which is very confusing, <laughs> and, and you know we got citations and annotations and amendments within this original proposal. No, no, no. It's very simple. Uh, one, make it reviewable. Why why not make roughing the passer reviewable? From from actually from officials who are not who are not don't go in with a preconceived notion that no, I don't care if you review it or not we're gonna overturn it remember that's uh, Mike a few years ago they made pass interference it's reviewable right. but there was right. collusion among the officials they were so upset that that this was on the table that even when it was clearly interference you go review it and they say no nah, 
just what we said, calling the field stands. Right. But see, the problem with that, the problem with that, here's the second part of my proposal. The problem with that, uh, that past interference years ago is that most officials, here it is, I'm going to say it again, most officials are part-time. They're part-time. Right. They're lawyers right. and doctors and accountants. And so they feel like they can't be controlled. That's why you got to make officials full-time. You make them full-time, full-time employees, get rid of the part-timers, and the full-time people, they can't just make up their own rules. They have something to lose. Now they ha actually have a job to lose. Like some of these guys, they're like, okay, you fire me as an official, I'll go back to being the principal of uh, uh, the, uh, the grade school down the street, or I got my law practice, I'm good. Now, if you have full-time officials, they're accountable, and they will actually improve. How about that? Two proposals. That, that will improve rough in the past. Hey, look, Ali, I, I, I like the idea of it being reviewable. You know I'm always pro-labor when it comes to sports, so I like the idea of people having stable jobs and stable contracts instead of coming in as sort of mercenary referees one way or another. I'm in agreement with both of those things. But I also think this. I don't know that we're going to be talking about this issue next year. I don't know that I even think that this issue is something that's that big of a deal. Because yeah. at the end of the day, what is ground zero for our concerns about roughing the passer? TB12 himself. The great last statue of a pocket quarterback, the great white hope of this league before almost all the quarterbacks are young runners and people of color. Right? I disagree, though. I, I, I don't think I think when Tom Brady's gone, we're not going to see this argument as much. No, I just, but you know they what? don't the, call this on Josh the, Allen because uh, no, he's huge. Do. The numbers don't back that up. Yeah, it, it's surprising. I, and I, I thought the same way you did, uh, Doc, until I saw the numbers. Look, Tom Brady is in the middle of the pack. We're getting roughing right. the passer penalties called on him. Uh, way up there, like Matt Ryan mm -hmm. is uh, Matt Ryan and Josh Allen and a, a lot of guys are. <laughs> Are above Brady, so I, I know people think this is the Tom Brady rule. They're just trying to protect the Golden Boy, but the numbers don't back that. The numbers numbers don't support that. Right, you're you're exactly right, and part of that's the reason because Tom Brady gets rid of the ball in record time. He's got one of the fastest releases in the whole game. Him and Aaron Rodgers, so that's part of the reason why. Um, but again, the, the guys who are holding on to the ball longer are the ones who are being subjected to this. But again, even if you make these officials full time. They are doing what the NFL wants them to do. And the NFL does not want this to be reviewable, because, even if it's reviewable because, one, like you said, the officials aren't going to want to change. And then if it's reviewed by somebody up in New York, it'll still give the impression that it's taking authority away and credibility away from the officials. They don't want to strip those guys of the respect and the authority that they have to have to be able to officiate games in the eyes of the coaches, the players, and the fans. So that's why they might have a little whisper, hey, ease up just a little bit but for the most part they're very happy with hey it was 59 roughing the passer calls in 2019 it went down to 54 in 2020 i think it was 48 and 21 and it's been 38 now so they say hey the players are adjusting that's what they have to do now we're going to see ridiculous calls like we've seen these last two with grady jarrett and chris right. jones but i think that those are going to be the minority of those, um, even though it's ridiculous that those happened because those did change the outcomes of games, I believe. Uh, well, it didn't for the Chiefs, but definitely for the Falcons. But for the most part, we're not going to see um, huge calls like that that are going to out change the outcome enough for the NFL to want to do something because, again, protecting the quarterback, all that matters. All right. Well, we'd be remiss, uh, Mike Jones, before we let you go. Uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, talk to you about an owner who who reminds me of people I grew up around. Okay, an owner. Uh, he's an <laughs> owner in Washington. This brother right here, of uh, uh, his franchise, they had a 50-50 raffle. They cut a check to the winner, and the check bounced. Okay, the check bounced. Okay, I'm gonna find you. I'm uh, you know what, and I'm, I'm gonna jump on you on site. Okay, <laughs> my check bounced. You wrote me a check. And it bounced. What's wrong with you? Okay. You and can't then, make this stuff you up. You can't make it up. And on top of that, the Washington commanders say, oh, our check bounced. It was a bank error. No, 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 no. Don't you know what blame that bank the error bank. Was? It's not the bank. <laughs> it's you. How many times has your bank made an error? How many times? 
has your bank ever made an error? That only happens in Monopoly. Bank error yeah. in your favor. You know, you get $50. Right. Yeah, that only right. happens there. I just, it didn't happen in real I just, life. I just... I just want to see Dan Snyder do the Kevin Hart routine, the way my check-ins and my savings are set up, and just sort of like explain why why he's writing why why your team why your team's mouth is writing checks that your play on the field can't cash. It's ridiculous, but it, it's again it's indicative of a franchise. If we if we had a Justin Verdant world, there would be franchises that would be more routinely taken away from owners who show an inability to not only manage a team, not in terms of wins and losses, but also appropriate and professional behavior. We could talk about Stephen Ross in Miami with tampering and possibly uh, uh, throwing games. We could talk about Dan Snyder with, with, with sending cheerleaders from the team to foreign countries and taking away their passports and massive sexual harassment and other inappropriate behavior. These are people who I think do not honor the shield. And the bounce check is just the latest. I mean, there should be, again, if we had a and fair world, a way in which team owners who routinely demonstrate poor character and poor judgment are no longer allowed to damage the NFL. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, you're... Any, any chance of that happening? I, I think it's going to be really difficult uh, like to take. I know a lot of people it's talking still... about Snyder. He's not going to lose right. that team. I don't it, think he's going to take it away. No. Right? Right. It'll be difficult. It's very involved, long, you know, multi-step process. Jim Irsay speaking out was, it was remarkable because it's the first time somebody's gone on record in saying that, but still 24 votes. It would have to be a special meeting. It's almost like a trial reviewing everything. It's a lot that still has to happen. Um, and, and I, I don't know if, if, if that would happen much to the dismay of the fans in Washington um, and, and Jim Irsay and, you know, a few of his pals, but I just don't know if there's going to be enough. I don't uh, see him. a groundswell. Yeah, I, I don't see it, Mike. I don't see him getting 24 votes uh, to get him out. Uh, and, and, and if it does happen, watch out. Uh, that's when the real that's when the real fun starts. But it's always fun talking with you, Mike Jones. Enjoy your Friday. Enjoy your weekend. We will catch up with you soon. And I'm glad you and the world famous Dr. Jason Johnson got a chance to meet and do a show together. Very glad to meet you. Thanks for having me. Great time as always. Appreciate you, Mike. Thanks. My son sacrificed his life to save me. These powers are not a gift, but a curse. Born out of rage. All right, Dr. Jason Johnson, I just wanted to play this while you're here. Because I trust, I trust your your expertise. You're really all over this kind of stuff, and I've just been been I've just been kind of been surrounded by criticism. I've seen the critics, and I'm trying to ignore them, but they're so loud. They're so loud about Black Adam. Yes. Uh, they're yes. so negative. So I'm telling, I'm asking you, do you, should I ignore the critics, or are, are they all on to something? So here's here's what we have here. This is this is this this is the whole history you gotta understand of these kinds of comic book movies. I am seeing Black Adam tonight, right? I'm going to see okay. Black Adam tonight and, and shout out uh, I have a couple friends and colleagues who were actually involved in the film. We always face these ebbs and flows, right? Where there's a a, a superhero movie that comes about in a lull between either DC or Marvel films that all the critics just say they hate, even if it's a good movie. The last time we saw this happen was about six or seven years ago with the Fantastic Four with Miles Teller and Michael B. Jordan. That was actually not a bad movie. Mm -hmm. But boy, oh boy, the critics are like, man, we already had Avengers. We had to say that was good. We had to say Captain America is good. We had to say Thor was good. We are going to take out all of our rage on this next movie. And I think that's what's happening. We're sort of in a lull of Marvel movies. You know, Wakanda Forever is going to come out, but, you know, we haven't had a ton of movies in a couple months. And it's an opportunity for people to be critical of The Rock because he's had nothing but straight hits. It's an opportunity to be critical of DC Comics. It's an opportunity for people to sort of maintain their criticism and integrity by saying, well, at least I don't like this comic book movie. I'll be honest with you. 
from all of the trailers, it looks entertaining. And in the context of DC movies, which generally speaking have been really hit and miss, it seems to fit in. Not everybody's gonna come up with a James Gunn Suicide Squad, but most of those movies are gonna be better than say the first Shazam or the terrible Justice League or the Justice League Snyder's Cut or the Justice League Black and White or Wonder Woman Part Two where she takes over somebody else's body. At the end of the day, <laughs> is it gonna be fun? Looks fun. Has The Rock ever had a failing movie? No. Am I thrilled to see a black uh, Hawkman and Aldous Hodge? Yes, I am. I think this movie is going to be great. I think it's going to do better than the critics are saying. And in another week and a half, everybody's going to be talking about spinoff movies with Cyclone and the New Justice Society of America because people are going to enjoy this film more than the critics say. Okay. Well, I, I hope you're right. I'm, I'm taking your word for it. You said you're going to see it tonight. So you're back. Yes. You, yes. You're back going in to see it. And, and you're, you're back, and just to be clear, you're back in theaters. I love the theater. I love going to the movies. I love the whole movie thing, the big screen, the smells, the people. I love it. But obviously, with COVID, that changed for some, and some people haven't come back. But are, are, what, your movie experience, is it pre-pandemic movie experience, or are you in there well, with, uh, with double masks uh and all that kind of stuff? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I look like... Uh, Jesse and Heisenberg from Breaking Bad. I am covered head to toe when I go into a movie theater. I, movie theaters were dirty before the pandemic, Holly. They're extra dirty and nasty like, now. See, I go into the movie theater. That's I sit way them. in the back. That's the fun. Oh, the no, dirty, no, no. I am never near floor, anybody. Sticky? Ugh. Sticky in there? Sticky. Mm-mm. Dang. No, 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 no. And all these movie theaters, they, they want to feed you now? No, no. So, yeah, I'm, I am covered. I am one of those people who says that COVID is still real. It's very much a, 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 a living part of our lives, unfortunately. But I'm going to be all masked up. I'm going to enjoy the film. And like I said, now you all know, because you know I'll come back. If the movie's terrible, I'll say it's terrible. Okay. But by all accounts, I mean, we've seen terrible superhero movies. Morbius was a terrible film, right? Uh, you know, the first Doctor Strange was hey, not hey, a very okay, good film. Okay, here we go. This doesn't Listen, look nearly as bad I as that. I'm sorry I asked. Pop, pop. I'm, I'm so tired <laughs> of you talking about the first Doctor Strange. Now, the last Doctor Strange, I know that was, uh, some people love that. I like the first one better than the whole multiverse. It just got, it's just, it, it needed an edit. It just needed an edit. It needed to be scaled down. It was too much. It needed story edit. It needed special effects edits. Anything, but everything. But before we go, I, I, I need to say this. There's so many things I'm going to get to with you. We probably need to do some type of lightning. I'm going to take a break, Gary. We probably need to do some kind of lightning round-ish thing with you before we leave. I'm looking at, at the time. The time just goes too fast with Dr. Jason Johnson. So we'll take a break, and we'll hit on like two or three of your favorite topics quickly. And then uh, we'll go into the weekend. You, you know what? You have to come back because there's still stuff we got to get to. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, look at this headline, uh, Dr. Johnson. Hair straightening chemicals may increase women's risk of uterine cancer. Study finds. Uh, your thoughts on this? Your thoughts on this, this uh, headline in this study? Look, man, it's just like I tweeted out before. We talk all the time about how white supremacy is literally killing black people. And it doesn't necessarily have to just be environmental justice. And it doesn't have to be rogue police officers. Literally for centuries, black women and men, but especially black women, have been told that their natural hair texture is unprofessional. You talk to black women in journalism. You couldn't get a job in the 60s or 70s or 80s if you didn't put chemicals in and you didn't straighten your hair. And here we are finding out today, although there's been research implying this for years, that those chemicals that constantly saying just for me and putting that in young black women's hair throughout their entire lives in order to look professional and reach white standards of European professionalism are literally killing African-American women. I'm wow. glad this story is out. I am glad that it's come after we've had discussions of the Crown Act and things like that. But it's an important thing to remember about how we're constantly fighting for our own humanity and our own health. Important to remember and important that you can't overstate it enough. You can't uh, repeat it enough that your natural hair is good enough. It is beautiful. It is attractive. It is professional, uh, as you said. And, 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 and Doc, you talk about the, the 80s. I remember working at the Boston Globe in the 90s when I had hair, 
and I was uh, I was growing locks, <laughs> and I remember another sister who worked there came up to me and was like, "Comb your hair! What are you doing?" I was like, "Oh my God! <laughs> like I can't believe this is coming from somebody uh, who who should know better, but a lot of people don't." So uh, very important story. Right. Uh, you have some thoughts on uh, midterms. I love your your feed item on this. Uh, these polls ain't loyal. It's <laughs> great. Uh, what what are your thoughts on uh, what are your thoughts on midterms? I gotta tell everybody this all the time. These polls ain't loyal. You can't trust the polling. And I don't mean that because pollsters lie. I'm not saying that they're lying. I'm saying that they aren't always indicative of how everybody is going to vote. So if you happen to be in the state of Pennsylvania, you're like, oh my gosh, a poll just came out showing Fetterman and Oz are, are, are actually tied. No, that's probably not the case. You got to look at four or five polls together. It's just like if you're making a bet, you don't look at one bet. You look at several different betting websites to figure out what the spread is. As of right now, this is what we're facing. It's not just that the dangers of democracy are at risk and you have a bunch of crazy Republicans running, but you got to make sure that you go out and vote in your local state because the polling is not meant to tell you what you should do. The polling only tells you the chances on that particular day. If I were to tell you what I think about the election six months ago, it's going to be different for today because you got to get new information. Georgia, Pennsylvania, Arizona, across the country, get out, vote, vote early, vote as, as much as you can at so many different levels in order to protect your country. Well, Doc Johnson, I will tell you what is reliable, and it is something called my bets, your money. I will give you the bets. You will spend the money, and I got a record this year. Of, I think it's 16 and 9, so I'm making a little money for you. Look at that. Last one, wow. 3 and 2. I'm making a little bit of money for you. Uh, we're picking against the spread, obviously. Falcons at Bengals, Doc. I like the Falcons there. The Falcons might win this thing outright. If they don't win it outright, they'll lose by 3 or 4 points. Yeah. And you make some money there. Uh, Titans versus the Colts. I don't believe in the Colts. I believe in the Titans. Take the Titans. Chargers, Seahawks. Chargers are going to shut down your uh, Seahawks. This is not going to be a close game, Doc. I'm sorry to tell you. The Texans. I'm going to be there. <laughs> Texans, Raiders, former Patriots Bowl. They both are terrible. It's going to get worse. I'm sorry. In Las Vegas for the Raiders. Go with the Texans. Getting seven points. That's amazing. And the Chiefs at Niners, the Chiefs have just done me wrong all year. I continue to go back to that well. I'll go back one more time. I like the Chiefs. I like the Chiefs over the Niners. Great job, Doc Johnson. You'll come back again. I know you will. Great job. Have a good weekend. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. 